Welcome, sports with Carney featuring Dakota Land fans. This is Logan Carney here with Dakota Land on a special on Wednesday night. We're not live right now. This is a little, little, little choked up there because it is not a live one, our first non live one of the year, but it is pre recorded. A special Logan Carney. We're coming to you from the past. Yeah. We're coming from the past. We're time travelers now. <laughs> Moved up to the future. <laughs> but we got a very special episode today. Um, as when this is airs, when this airs yesterday would have been election, election day. Yes. yes. So we gotta we're gonna be handing out our election special awards, our Pittsburgh sports superlatives, so don't go anywhere. That'll be very very, very interesting. Um, surely, of course, we need to talk about, you know, a lot of other stuff. Why don't we just not even break it down? Why don't we just get right Let's into get it? Let's get right into it. And we're going to try and stick things to an hour today. So we're just going to get right in to it. But And we begin with a celebration. Of course. Of course. We begin with the celebration because... I don't know if, if if you guys know this. Well, of course you do because you're it listening have, to It happened show. four days ago. Yeah, <laughs> Four days ago. Well, hold on. Hold on. Would it have been four days? From oh, I, fr- I was thinking Saturday. You're right. It was a Friday game. We, we won't talk about that. Get get too worked <laughs> up about the college football on Friday. We actually talked about our last episode. Yeah. Guess what? Those Pitt Panthers found a way to beat the Virginia number 23 Virginia. The Virginia Cavaliers falling to the Panthers. I'm just going to keep saying it because it's great. Pitt Panthers in the driver's seat. First place in the ACC Coastal. I would not have predicted we would have been here. I don't think you would have either. Am I correct? I I would not. Trying to say that without a straight face. (laughs) Although, I don't know if you watch Sports Talk in the Berg, the show I'm on. Every week we had a pit question. I said they were still in. I said they still had a chance. I didn't think that they would actually do it. (laughs) But they are now in the driver's seat with Miami losing yesterday too. Pitt, all they have to do is when this week on Saturday against Virginia Tech, which is now a 3.30 afternoon game, in my opinion, the best time for a college football game. Absolutely. I concur with that 100%. And and then next week against Wake Forest, and all of a sudden they're playing in Charlotte against (laughs) North Carolina. Sorry, not why I said North Carolina. Against Clemson, most likely Clemson, in the ACC championship game. Are they going to make up the Miami-Florida game? At the at the end of the season, I mean, it's kind of irrelevant. It might be. That's a, that's an uh, interesting I, one. I wonder if it's still. I'll have to check if it's still listed on their schedule. That that's just kind of floating around out there. Uh, due to a hurricane earlier in the season, that game got postponed, and I assume they're going to play it, right? Yeah, another team got hurt by that. We'll get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, celebrating good times here is the Pitt Panthers. Our Pitt Panthers. Shout out to them, because even though we are RMU students, you know it is it is our team too. Um, it is our city, our Panthers. So, two questions for you, Logan, about Pitt. Mm-hmm. Do does Pitt win out in those last two, maybe three games? And do you already call that? We talked about this a little last week. Now I think this question is even more relevant after they're now in the driver's seat and they beat Virginia. Are they all? Is this season already a success? Well. I have to. He's laughing because I'm. I'm eating. I'm. I'm. I am eating twin snakes, ladies and gentlemen. Just so you know, I haven't eaten much. Today, I'm looking but. forward to the Mark Madden impersonation. <laughs> well, <laughs> let me tell you, 
why you're a jerk. <laughs> Don't ever call you again. No. But, um, why did I do that? No, I can't even speak. But anyway, the Pitt Panthers, they are in the driver's seat. I think they beat Virginia Tech. I think they lose to Wake Forest, and then I think they beat Miami. This is Pitt we're talking about. That is how Pitt will go. I, yeah. I think we are, though, kind of like – I'm not sure how to how to say this. We are looking back to the past of Pitt. And even, you know, so, so this season they've – they've <laughs> even sometimes this season they have been the old Pitt. But for the most part, Pat Narduzzi has, has kept them together. They're in a driver's seat in a place where they really haven't we're, been we're in a while. The, we're looking to the past of Pitt because right. the past of Pitt is still relevant. They lost to North Carolina, and now they're first it, in the division. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I agree. However, in these next three games, are we being too biased towards the past? Should we give this team more credit? I mean, I think... Because Wake Forest, if you look at it, common opponents like Notre Dame, Notre Dame destroyed Wake Forest. They did not destroy Pitt. That is true. I mean, but again, when has Pitt beaten the teams that they're supposed to beat? I mean, come on. That's this what I'm is, saying. This, this That's a, are we too biased to the past? I don't think we are. I, no, because on my opinion, the past is still the present till the past has changed. And the, they haven't shown me anything that the past has changed yet. All right. They still lost to North Carolina, and they're still first in the division. This is, this is the typical Pitt that we're talking about right now. The team that got blown out by Penn State. Because they couldn't get the ball past yeah. the five yard their own five yard line repeatedly, yeah. and Penn State started every single drive from their on Pitt's side of the fifty. I mean, this is still the same team. It's just, I mean, they've improved a lot since then. Um, interesting to note their defense. If you take, they've had three games where they've given up six hundred over six hundred yards, I believe, or around there. Yeah. Um, Duke. If I can just think off the top of my head, Duke. Not Syracuse. Not Syracuse. Uh, Duke, UCF, and then there was one more. I forget the third game. Um, if you can fact check me on this, just to make sure I'm um, right. I'm but it up. was it a? It wasn't UNC, was it? It might have been UNC. It might have been. But anyway, they gave up. Um, they gave up around 600 yards of offense in each of those games. If you take those three out, they have the 31st best defense in the country. Wow. So the, the, their team is their defense is very inconsistent, and I think that's why they've started to play better because they, they the team. I mean, obviously against Duke two weeks ago, the defense did not show up, but the offense showed up. I think the I think the offense isn't as good as it is against Duke, and I don't think the defense is as good as it is against Virginia. But I think those two are going to level out, and we see a, a decent team, you know, maybe a borderline top twenty-five, just outside the top twenty-five team in these last few weeks. And I think they can, I think they will get to the ACC championship game. Okay, all right, I, I could see it too. I I think I'm maybe a little more optimistic over these next three games that they have shown in these past couple of weeks that they and really I think you could say since the Syracuse game when they won that in OT that they've shown bright spots that tell me they could beat Virginia Tech could beat Wake Forest and could beat Miami Florida in that last game and sweep the rest of this season uh maintain the number one spot and exit the regular season really proud of what they did and I I think maybe we are too biased of the past <laughs> but i i think maybe for me i'm trying to push that away and like you said we should still be looking at that because it is the same team it's improved but at the end of the day it is the same team it's still narduzzi 
and chances are looking at history they will disappoint us in some way before the end of this season <laughs> do you think they win out do you think they win the acc championship game i do not know they haven't beaten a top five team i think it's too big of a too big of a jump <laughs> they still haven't beaten that top five team yet it could be boston college still clemson has to beat right. boston college they have not played yet boston college a very good team this year and we'll talk about the rankings in a little bit, but Boston College was ranked last week. We'll we'll see how they are this week when we take a look at those rankings. So we're gonna move on from Pitt, uh, and we're gonna do our quick little a quick little tidbit on the other the other local schools. A little little sixty seconds on both. Um, of course, we always go over. It's a very generous sixty seconds. But you want to take this one, Dakota? Sure. Uh, we'll start with Penn State, and this was a Penn State loss this week a big loss to michigan 42 to 7 penn state scoring late in that game avoiding the first shutout since 2001 a, a real bad game for penn state of course coming into this there was a lot of uncertainty about trace mcsorley and how healthy he was it would appear based on his performance that he was far from 100 percent. he completed just 5 of 13 passes for only 83 passing yards through an interception in there now what was Interesting leading up to this game was how secretive James Franklin was kind of being with this McSorley injury and uh, got into it a little bit with a reporter at a presser asking him about McSorley. I have the clip if you want. Yeah, absolutely. Play the clip real quick. We'll leave the clock on. I missed that part. I'm not going to answer. If I tell you, yeah, Trace can't do these things, Michigan's watching it. So it's not that I don't want to answer your question. we got to ask. Why? <laughs> Why so would you ask you a question that you know I'm not going to answer? You're wasting your time. Ask a question that you think I'm going to answer so you can write about it. The only one wasting you anyone's time in this whole thing is James Franklin <laughs> by making a huge deal out of this. Just say, I'm not going to say anything. Move on. <laughs> You agree with him, and that, that that's a dumb question, or no? I, I don't. <laughs> I, I think it's the reporter's job to ask. Maybe they get an answer, maybe they don't. But to make this a theatrical performance where he's going to rant for another two minutes instead of just moving on, not going to answer that. It's just it's this whole arrogant attitude about James Franklin and the reason that I don't like him, and that's embodied in that answer. Yeah. Uh, one more reason not to like him: you sent me this uh, during that game. Michigan had a kickoff that went out of bounds. James Franklin declines the penalty, wants him to re-kick instead of just taking the ball at the 35-yard line. And they took, they got it at the 21, <laughs> and they got it at the 21. Just unbelievable. For a guy that spews the word elite every chance he gets, it does not appear to me unrivaled. that he is an, an elite coach in college football. How can you claim to be unrivaled when you can't beat anybody in your own conference? Yeah, it's I believe just... they have four wins total against Ohio. No, they have three wins total against Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State since um, since James Franklin has taken over as head coach. Not great. Yeah, not great not at great. all. And they've gotten blown out by uh, Michigan twice, two, second time in three years. Of course, they blew them out last year, but still. Um, all well, right, I'm, I'm so that was just a few more than 60 seconds on Penn State. Yeah, we're going to move on to a little bit of West Virginia, though. West Virginia... I don't know if you know this, Dakota, but they won again too. I did. And, and, and as a as a Pitt fan, you know I don't like West Virginia. They're a rival, but I'm starting to hop on the bandwagon a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I was going to ask you: Are you rooting for WVU? I'm kind of rooting for WVU to pull it out in the Big Twelve. Um, they're a rival that I respect a lot. 
Um, they're very relatable to Pitt. We talked about this a little bit earlier this, before the show that WVU is a team that's very relatable to Pitt in the sense that they'll have really good years, they'll have really down years, they'll lose games they aren't supposed to, they'll beat teams that they aren't supposed to. Um, they have their local, they have a lot of local recruits. They're um, a state school, but they're about the same size as Pitt in terms of reach right. and everything. They are a very relatable school to Pitt. So, you know, seeing them do it, it's kind of like when the Brewers made it all the way to the, in the all the way to the NCLCS. Yeah, N- that's, that's fair. You know, they're a rival of the Pirates, but I still was rooting for them because they're relatable to the Pirates. Now, a better question is uh, a couple questions are, and then I'll have, I'll ask you these, Dakota. All right. Do you think WVU wins the Big Two, or who? Uh, or we phrase it. Who has a better chance of winning their conference, Pitt or West Virginia? And oh. is Will Greer, Will Greer, sorry, a Heisman candidate? Uh, I'll answer the second one first. He is, uh, and I know there was a lot of doubt about that earlier in the season. They suffered some big losses, and he didn't have that great of a performance. But you beat a team like Texas in the way that they did, and with the performance that he had, I think it's undoubtable that he is a contender. But I think that's also – I mean, and he's good. He's good. He's going to go high in the draft most likely. But I think it's also just a sign that this is a down year in college football that based on – with some of the performances that he had on the losing side, he's still very much in this conversation. So that's that. Uh, I think WVU has the better chance of winning their do. conference. I do. I do. I just I, – I, I can see what you're saying with Pitt making tough, it to tougher, the championship game. Road. I wouldn't take Pitt at this point in time to uh, – and even if they win these next three weeks, I still don't think I'd take them as the favorite to win the ACC. I mean, they won't be the favorite to win the ACC. Right. Then it's Clemson. It's going to be So if you're comparing difficult. them to WVU, I'm taking WVU. Yeah, but WVU still has to get there, and they have a much more difficult of a road. They have to, they're going to have to I'll take still, on with probably I'll, I'll Oklahoma. I'll take that tougher road and the chance of them in the championship game than I would Pitt. All right. So this has been our 60 seconds, or a little bit more of 60 seconds on the other local teams, the other local big schools here in Pittsburgh. Now, um, as we go to the polls, uh, Dakota, you you want to read off the polls since you were the one who graciously put them in the notes today? Yeah, you go ahead sure, and read them sure. Off? So uh, yesterday we went to the polls, and now today we're going to look at the polls. <laughs> we'll get that. That's Starting right, because the... <laughs> this one is going to be broadcasted right. on Wednesday. Yes. We'll get that. So from the AP Top 25, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame remain 1, 2, and 3. Fourth place, fifth place, sixth place, all saw these teams move up a spot. That's Michigan in fourth with their win over Penn State. Fifth is Georgia. Sixth is Oklahoma. Seventh, up five spots from last week. From 12 to 7, it's WVU. Eight is Ohio State. And I'll pause there for a minute. You want to share that factoid you you shared with me yesterday about Ohio State and and the strength of their schedule. Ohio State has taken on one team with a winning record. I don't think Purdue has a winning record, so it might just, so it could be one. I have to double check that real quick. But Ohio State has only beaten one team with a winning record this year. We'll talk a little bit more about strength of schedule <laughs> in our next segment. But uh, ninth LSU, tenth Washington State, eleventh. Who we'll talk about in our next segment. Uh, yeah, Purdue does have UCF. a winning record, okay. by the way. Okay. UCF down two spots to 11. Kentucky down a spot to 12. 13 is Syracuse. 14, Utah State. 15, Texas. 16, Fresno State. In 17th, up seven spots from last week is Boston College, who we talked about. 18th, Mississippi State. 19, Florida. 20, Washington, who was previously unranked. Uh, And then down seven spots in 21st is Penn State. Really just absurd that they're still in these rankings, in my opinion. <laughs> and then 22 through 25, all previously unranked, NC State, Iowa State, Michigan State, and Cincinnati. Out of that, uh, 
dropped from the rankings were Utah, Houston, Iowa, Virginia, and Texas A&M. And that is your AP Top 25. Quick look at the coaches poll. Uh, a few big changes for the most part. The top 10 here unchanged from last week. First, Alabama. Second, Clemson. Third, Notre Dame. Fourth, Michigan. Fifth, Georgia. Sixth, Oklahoma. Seventh, Ohio State. Eighth, West Virginia. Ninth, Washington State. And 10th, LSU, with UCF dropping two spots out of the top 10 to number 11. And Pitt got 10 votes this week in the coaches' poll. Celebrate good times. Celebrate good times. Is this CFP poll right, Dakota? Is I'm looking at it right now, about to read it? Uh, as far as I know. Penn State, 14. That's interesting. But now, we're, we... remember, these are these will come out tonight. That is right. So these, they will come out these are new since our last show. When you're listening to this on Wednesday, there will have been new college football I just playoff to clarify rankings that. Yeah, yeah. that came out. So these are Alabama, Clemson, LSU, Notre Dame, Michigan, Georgia, Oklahoma, Washington State, Kentucky, Ohio State. That's your top 10 for the CFP. Of course, as Dakota said, this the new one will come out later tonight. So whenever you're listening, it will be different. Florida 11, UCF 12, West Virginia 13, Penn State 14, Utah 15. Yeah, that's right, because Penn State only has two losses. So. Right, right. Iowa 16, Texas 17, Mississippi State 18, Syracuse 19, Texas A&M, North Carolina State, Boston College, or Fresno State, Iowa State, Virginia. Here's a question to you. Here's what I don't understand. Okay. The college football playoff only decides four teams. Why do they do a full 25-team it, ranking? It's just... I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It it would do top make sense. ten. Just do top yeah, ten. Yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Do the top ten, and even at that point, you're still kind of like stepping out of the of your comfort zone. Like I, everybody still looks at the Associated Press anyway. Right. That's I don't. The one that I people don't care need about. the college football playoff committee to do anything more than decide the four teams. Exactly. That's all I need. Exactly. They just put out their top ten, and that's it. But yeah. since they did it, we can talk about the fact that UCF is all the way down in twelfth place. That's right, and they dropped out of top 10 in both the AP and coaches pool despite winning um, against a bad team. But like we stated earlier, you know, there's another school out there that has only plated – that has only um, – plated. Well, that's not a word. That has only played 10 teams – that has only played one team with the two teams with a winning record, and they're one and one against them, including getting blown out by Purdue in the other one, and that is Ohio State. Wow, it took me a long time to get to that thought, but – Dakota, does that does that bug you a little bit? As we hear, you know, the big argument is UCF, and they're like, "Well, will you take a one-loss Big Ten team over UCF?" Are these one-loss Big Ten teams really better, or are people looking too much at the schedule ahead for Ohio State to judge them on who they've played so far? If if the college football, I don't really care about the top twenty-five and the coaches' poll, but if people in this college football playoff ranking committee are looking ahead. And trying to judge and, and predict what's going to happen for the rest of the season, I think that's absurd. It defeats the purpose of having these college football playoff rankings while the season is still going on. Um, but to get to this UCF topic, who are undefeated, and you've got teams ahead of them with one or two losses, I think there's just this, this – uh, tendency and it's going to continue to take the schools from the bigger conferences who are viewed of having a tougher strength of schedule either have already played or will play in the remaining weeks and I don't see it changing I do not think we'll see UCF anywhere near the top four to make the college football playoff let alone in the college football playoff what do you think well 
We do got to play the music for we UCF do, do. and a little championship watch. We're going to try and keep this a little bit shorter because we've been running way too long on UCF <laughs> in our past shows. But in my opinion, they should go undefeated. They're in. Um, even, you know, looking at Notre Dame. So that's your opinion. Do you think that will happen? No, I don't. At this point, the fact that they're not in the top 10, I don't think that will happen. Um, especially when a school like Ohio State, who has not played a very good schedule, has a loss, got blown out by a, an average team, is ahead of them. So I'll, I'll ask you this. We talked uh, earlier this morning about these scenarios for UCF to make the college football playoff. And this article from Bleacher Report talking about that those scenarios begins with UCF needs help, maybe even a miracle. That We talked about this in our very first episode of this show this semester. It defeats the whole purpose of this college football playoff committee if they're looking at results of other teams and trying to judge how that one team is and whether or not they should make the college football playoff. UCF does not need help or a miracle from other teams to make the college football playoff. They shouldn't, at least. I mean, that's reality. But you look at some of these other – yeah, pulling back to strength, strength of schedules. You know, for example, Notre Dame. This is a Notre Dame team. They, yes, they beat Michigan, but they also beat Ball State by only eight. They beat Vanderbilt by five. They beat Pitt by five. They beat they were able to uh, they gave up 17 points to five and four Stanford. They gave up 27 points to four and five Wake Forest. They gave up you know 21 and 22 to 22 to two and seven Navy. 21 to North to five and four Northwestern. 23 to four and four Virginia Tech. And while a lot of the, some of those games, you know, they only beat Northwestern by 10. They were able to beat Navy by 22. They were able to beat Virginia Tech by 22 again. 21, Stanford, um, and then of course, 29, it looks like, for Wake Forest. But these are some, it's, they have not had that impressive of a stretch, yeah. really. So these yeah. strength of schedule arguments are just ridiculous. And They're ridiculous. And That's a, what they are. That's what it comes down to. They look supposed, at these teams. The committee is supposed to consider their common opponents, but they're not supposed to consider how they perform, just win or loss. They're not supposed to you know, decide if the game was a blowout or not. Or, and, and I think that comes into this whole uh, directive to consider strength of schedule. Unless the NCAA is going to uh, – uh, what's the word? Sponsor a, a, a official way to rank strength of schedule – we're just going to be left with people hypothesizing and using whatever measurement they want to determine how hard a schedule is. And it doesn't take into account, you know, conferences that are tougher than the other in which the teams beat up on each other. For example, right. um, it won't take into account, you know, the fact that Penn State and Michigan and Michigan State and their name. Actually, well, it does take into account that, but it doesn't take into account the ACC Coastal, for example, where it's a bunch of good teams, not exactly. not great, not bad teams, a bunch of good teams that just knock each other down a notch. Um, it's well, we got an ad there for some reason, but uh, again, it takes it. It doesn't take into account that stuff. And, and honestly, you know, you look at some of these other these other schedules. I mean, again, looking at Alabama last year, in which um, they had a loss to Auburn, and they I believe they they didn't beat any ranked teams. I could be wrong. I could be mistaken. Actually, did they beat Georgia? They played Georgia last year. No. So, so like th that was a tough. It's 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 unfair to really re to to use strength as schedule. I mean, look at Alabama for example. I mean, they blew out Ole Miss, but some of the other teams they took on Arkansas State, two and seven Louisville, um, Texas A and M, who is overrated. They're five and four. They should not be ranked. 
Um, actually, I don't think they are still. Are they still ranked? I could be wrong. They were ranked at one point. Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. <laughs> Arkansas, who is two and seven. Missouri, who is five and four. Tennessee is four and five. They finally have a good win over LSU. It's twenty nine nothing, but it took them there, and this was your unanimous number one. Yeah. And they didn't play anyone that was good. Strength of schedule is baloney. Yep. It's complete baloney because. Really, these these top schools are playing a bunch of five hundred teams. Yeah, you know, and, and and that's that's I why mean, it's was it last to use season? It in an argument is is ridiculous. Was it last season that uh, Robert Morris played North Dakota State? Yes. It's just it's unless you're gonna agree, everyone is gonna agree to use one one measurement or one uh, you know whether it be uh, the ESPN power index or something from 538 if there's some agreed upon way to measure schedule which there's never going to be by the way then you cannot consider that in terms of whether teams should be ranked higher or in the college football playoff it's just it's a ridiculous argument uh we talked earlier today about uh, a commentator from fox saying that you know ucf shouldn't even be in the discussion because of the strength of their schedule but he's using one measure in his argument that this one measure of strength of schedule that, like you said, doesn't account for these big schools playing teams that they can beat up on. It doesn't account yeah, for is, conferences. Is the American Athletic really that bad of a conference? They've had, that's that's they've the had, what, question three, at the end of the day. I believe they've this. had three or four teams ranked this year. UC, UCF, USF, Cincinnati were all ranked. Is there? Am I forgetting a certain team? I, I believe there was three or four ranked teams from this conference. And, and you know, you look at some of the other conferences, you know, Big Ten only had four. You know, throughout they only had four. Yeah. There's lower largest pet. The ACC only had five. I don't know how many the SEC had, but you know, the, the American Athletic really is not a bad conference. It's for football. It's not. It's again, it's not Power Five. It isn't. Right. I'm not going to argue that it's 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 even on the same level as the Power Five conferences. But a lot of these things, like, but people want to com- make the comparison that it's like if if UCF were in the college football playoff, it would be like a three A 3A high school team playing in a six A championship, and it's just an absurd argument. The fact of the matter is, you look at this: UCF was three and zero against their non conference teams. Cincinnati was four and zero against their non conference teams. Houston was three and was three and one against their non conference teams. Those are the top teams in the conference. It is not a bad conference. South Florida. 4-0 against their non-conference teams. Again, I don't specifically know who they were playing, so that could be changing different. Right. But right. The, the, they're not the American Athletic is not a bad conference. It's really not. It's not a great conference. It's not a phenomenal conference. It's not Power Five. It is Group of Five, but it is by far the best group of and five. And all we're asking is look at UCF, who's going to come out of that conference, whether you think it's not bad or great or not good. They're coming out of it undefeated. They have beaten non-conference teams that are pretty good. They deserve to be in the discussion and to just write them off because of what conference they're in and because of ridiculous the strength of schedule arguments is ridiculous. It is It is absolutely – it's ridiculous. Yeah. And with that, we can move yeah, on with that from we UCF. We will move on. And we'll have this whole fight again next week. How about <laughs> it? We'll move on to um, a little bit of Steelers talk as they beat Baltimore – this past week, twenty-three to sixteen, the, the Steelers again—they've really, you know, similar to how they started off last year. I don't know if, if you knew yeah. this last year. They started off four and three. They started off four two and one this year. You know, a, a, a non-missed field goal by Boswell puts the Steelers at the same start as when they went thirteen and three a year ago. So Dakota, you know, are you starting to believe in the Steelers? I am believing. Um, 
I think that this team has really turned it around. There were a lot of questions. I was kind of surprised as a fan earlier in the season at how optimistic people still were. I, as a fan, was concerned about their future and their playoff chances after some of those real bad opening weeks, tying in Cleveland in week one, for example. And they really have just turned it around. It kind of shows that the early weeks of the season can be made up for later on, and they have certainly done that. And they're they're doing it all amidst the Le'Veon Bell drama, among injuries, among uncertainty about James Conner, and they're just going out and they're playing, and they're doing it really as a team with less drama than last season, which, you know, whether or not you think that's related to their performance, they are a cohesive unit for the most part, and they are really uh, surprising me with how well they're playing as of recent. What do you think the big reason is to why they won four in a row? I think that at the end of the day, it's still just the offense is so good. And with the pieces that they have, obviously it gets better if Bell's here. But when you look at just having Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown on your roster, you throw in Juju. As a whole, this offense has always been really good. It's been expected to be really good. And they're living up to those expectations. I think that's it at the end of the day. See, I don't think it's the offense that I'm carrying. I'm carrying the defense. All right. That's fair. The defense That's since fair. week five. So since be, once this four-week, four-game winning streak started, they have not given up more than 21 points. This right. defense is, since week five, since this winning streak started, has been near the top of the NFL. I know people are going to talk down on this defense. They're going to talk. There are a lot of playmakers on this defense. There are a lot. This is the team that, you know, they last year, last year when they when they started off poorly and they ended up finishing 13 and 3, the big reason was their defense. Of course, yeah. when Shazier got hurt, the defense got worse. Right. They didn't adjust well at the start of this year, but now we're seeing a very it's very similar to last year. Hopefully it doesn't end up the same. Right. But it's 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 a very similar path as to when they went 13 and 3 last year. So I ask you this now as we transition to this next topic. When the end of the season rolls around, you know, maybe we're disappointed, maybe we're excited. Is Le'Veon Bell on the on the starting roster? Oh, man. <laughs> you play a little bit of music in the background for that. I wish we could just swap out Carmen Santiago's name with <laughs> Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell. But <laughs> Where in the world is Le'Veon Bell? I mean, he's got a week. He's got one He's week. He's got less than a week whenever you're listening to this on Wednesday. I think he Wednesday. shows, but I've been saying that all year. Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> I just don't get what – like, where are we at at this point in terms of this being a successful tactic for him? It's it doesn't not, make much sense anymore. It is not – whoever his advisors are, advisors are deserve to be fired because, look, if, if Connor struggled – then Le'Veon would make a lot of money. But the problem is, is Carter's not only struggle, he's put up better numbers than Le'Veon right. did last year. Right, right. So, like, teams- I, I don't think at this point, even if the Steelers were to suffer, like, an early playoff loss or something, I don't think you'd look back and say, oh, if only they had Le'Veon Bell. No. I mean, I still think the Steelers, Le'Veon Bell is a great luxury. Yeah. If you could split carries between Le'Veon Bell and James Conner, you have the by far, by far, it's not even close, by far the most dominant rushing attack, maybe even in NFL history. Because these are two phenomenal, excuse me, phenomenal backs. You know, Conner's at the top of his game. Le'Veon, you know, hopefully he comes back, but 
and he comes back, you know, at least halfway decent. But this is the, these two guys that if you split carries, I mean, that's a great, great core of, of, of two in your offense. And, and you I, had that with Brown and, and um, Smith-Schuster. Yeah, I mean, the offense just gets even better, and it's already really good if, if he comes back. I am not so sure that he's going to come back at this point just because I this whole strategy just doesn't make sense. It hasn't for a few weeks now since ESPN reported during the bye that he was going to come back, and he ended up not coming back. And there still have not been any sightings of Le'Veon Bell training or getting better. Well, there have been some sightings. There have been sightings of him, but not of him <laughs> training. I, I want to read off one of one of the sightings that, yeah. that was. Yes, I, we didn't get to this last week. We yes. didn't get to this last week. We were gonna we were gonna get no, to this last week. But there we have absolutely did. been sightings of him, but this is gonna back up my argument that there have been no sightings of him training to get back into football shape. There has been no indications that Le'Veon Bell has been conditioning or is in any way ready to just get back on the NFL field if he were to return for the game in two weeks. So at that point, he's still probably not a legitimate starter for at least another week, maybe two. You're running out of weeks in the regular season. He's perhaps doing more damage, uh, certainly on the drama-wise, he'll be doing <laughs> more dra- more damage than he is now just staying away. So I don't understand what his objective is, and that's why I'm kind of on the fence about whether or not he even comes back for the 13th. I'm, I'm going to read this to the Leif Yelbel sign. We hinted at it. This was last week. Um, somebody, I believe, sent this into the fan. Um, so let's let's, let's 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 read this real quick. Uh, let me let me see if I can get some nice nice music in the background. Maybe we can maybe we can. <laughs> there we go. On the Le'Veon Bell documentary, Le'Veon Bell being cited. My cousin works at the Bob Suds at Pittsburgh Mills Mall. She said yesterday, <laughs> Lev Bell pulled up in his Range Rover and came in and asked to use the bathroom. She impolitely informed him, it's only for customers. He said he was going to order a sandwich after he left. She gave him the key, he went to the bathroom, and then left the key in there and left without ordering. They did not have a spare, and the door locked automatically. (laughs) They had to call a locksmith to get it unlocked. (laughs) Sean, from West Deer. It's so good. It's so good for so many reasons. When you first sent this to me, the question was, what percent chance do you give that that was actually Le'Veon Bell? <laughs> not high. Not high. That's Wasn't for sure. there another one where he was in the uh, where he was spotted down in the strip district? Yes. Yes. <laughs> There's no indication that he's even in Pittsburgh. There is no indication that he has left Miami. Yet we're spotting him at the Pittsburgh Mills Mall pop subs. It, if I could think of everywhere where Le'Veon would be, I bet you the Pittsburgh Mills Mall, which is a complete ghost town, because that's right by my house. I know that mall. Half of the stores are closed, and they have to sp- depressing quotes on it, all right, on all the walls. There is no way that Le'Veon Bell was at that Bob's, the Bob sub Sean from West Deer. <laughs> it's one of the most ridiculous things that I have ever heard. <laughs> it just gets so much better. It's because it's just he left the key in the bathroom and walked There's, out. It's too good of a story to not be made up. That's my official position on that. <laughs> Could you see here's a question for you. Who on the Steelers or actually oh we phrase who what Pittsburgh athlete do you think is the most likely to use the bathroom without buying something and then leave the key in the bathroom with and, and, and excluding Le'Veon Bell? Excluding Le'Veon oh. Bell. Man. I Antonio Brown maybe. 
Thank he did you, throw stuff, yeah. uh, allegedly throw stuff out a window. <laughs> so I, I think Antonio Brown is a good one. Uh, Juju seems too happy yeah, and upbeat. Yeah, no, no. So I'm going to roll him out. Did you see the pictures out. of Juju trick-or-treating with yeah. little kids? <laughs> it was great. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't pick let's him. Let's see. Think of some other athletes. Uh, Crosby seems like a really nice guy. He also seems calm and collected. So right. if he couldn't use the bathroom, he'd probably just walk out the door. Maybe like a uh, – I'm trying to think of a pirate that might do this. In a, maybe like Rivera. Hmm. Not even him. I have a hard time picking any pirate to do that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> All right. Sorry. These, these that's are that's Le'Veon Bell. We're going to move on now to our next topic, which is another celebratory topic. Corey Dickerson announced last night he wins an MLB gold glove for his work in left field this season with the Pirates. Now, a local Pirates blog, Rumbunner, calling this a big surprise. Do you agree with that, Logan? Were you shocked by this announcement that Corey Dickerson had won the gold glove for that position? I was a bit surprised. Um, I don't really care too much about the the gold glove, the gold glove winner. Um, I'm I am surprised Yelich didn't Christian Yelich didn't get it. Right. That that's I think the reason that this was. See, so I have a theory surprising. with the gold glove though. It's it's on my opinion they 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 only take stars. So whether it's it's meant to or not. Hitting plays a role in if you get the gold glove. Right. Because nobody cares about a guy that's batting 220. Again, they took it over Yelish, who's likely to be the MVP. So this theory is not always true. But there could be a better left fielder out there that played very poorly offensively that didn't get the award. They look for stars when they when they pick the gold gloves and the silver sluggers. And unfortunately, you become a star through hitting, not fielding. Hitting plays right, a role. Right, right, and I think right. that's I think that's part of the reason why. Dickerson was even in the running because I didn't think I mean I didn't think he's a bad defensive player I he's a good defensive player statistically he's not, he was a really good defensive yeah, left fielder he's I don't think he's I I don't think he's top three in the league in the no, national league I, overall when you look at it outside of stats I agree with that but yeah. uh so just looking at the these raw sabermetrics he was really really good and you can make the argument based on those that he did deserve uh this award I I ask you he plays obviously most of his games at home at PNC Park. Do you think that PN that, that that does that play a role into this? Because PNC Park are really tough outfield in general, specifically in left field. Is PNC Park's left field one of the toughest in all of baseball? It and, is. And should that play a role in choosing that award winner? It is, winner? and it should. It is, and it should. Um, you got to consider where they play their where they play. It, you yeah, have to because you got to consider for offensive numbers too. Um, that's why, you know, people scoff at, at how Colorado hitters do. Yes, yes. Because of how easy it is to hit there. Um, I think I think you got to consider it. I mean, every park's different, and I think that's a benefit. I think that's what makes you know, Major League arguably better than a lot of other leagues is that every every environment is a completely different environment. Yep. And I think it, it should play a role in defensive numbers. If, it, if Corey Dickerson – has the same defensive numbers as somebody that plays in a much easier ballpark than Corey Dickinson deserves it more because his ballpark is tougher. A lot of those statistics do do count for that. Mm-hmm. Um, they do adjust for the type of park. But I agree 100% that, you know, it should play a role. Now, let me ask you, you know, before he came to Pittsburgh, though, he was in temp- Tampa Bay. We're having a trouble time speaking today. But he was in Tampa Bay. And they played him DH for two years. Do you think they're scratching their heads right now? I do. And the reason I put this on here, this question, how do you think the Pirates scouted him defensively when they didn't have 
two years of time to look at his or was this just a pleasant surprise did neil huntington pick him up for his bat and they were just shocked by his performance defensively i, mean, I think you got to look at who tampa bay has in that outfielder I mean, that's kiermeyer is is phenomenal phenomenal center fielder best glove in the league arguably um left field they have the the young kid um i'm losing my name it's real fast um just, just trying to this has not been my best show tonight but uh why am I can't why can't I think of him? He's on my one of my fantasy teams. Um Malik Smith. They oh, got Malik yes, Smith yes, yes, too, yes. a very, very good defensive player. Um, a lot of speed. I mean it's it's so and they had Steven Souza who's not bad for a couple of years too. I mean, I think Dickerson's better than that, but that was their outfield. Their outfield was pretty locked. Regardless, I don't think anyone in Tampa Bay apparently was expecting him to go out and win a gold glove in the outfield because he, he didn't even get to play defense when he was there with Tampa Bay for those two seasons so I, I think it's all the more impressive and another tip of the cap of many to the Pirates front office who certainly did see something in him both defensively and offensively and uh it pays off they get a good glove out of it so that's a, a big achievement for Corey Dickerson and congratulations to him thank you Dakota but we're gonna move a quick little uh bringing back bringing back the the Ken Burns music that we like to throw in wherever we can in all these episodes as we can uh, do a quick update on what happened with the Robert Morris sports this past weekend. Men's hockey split again. One and one. Yeah. Why can't they win on Saturday? I, I do not know. It does not make <laughs> much sense. There is some divide. I, I can sort of understand it when you play the home and home series and they travel and they might not play until Sunday for game two. But when these are two home games and it looks like such different teams from Friday to Saturday, it just raises a lot of questions. How is that possible? And why is it so strong to come out and play and get that win on Friday, but they cannot carry that energy over to Saturday? It's it's really interesting. Maybe it's just something that they're tipping their hand and there's some way that these teams are able to adjust for game two that RMU is not prepared for but it's really a head scratcher as to how many splits they've had already in this young season and uh, why it always seems that it's game two that they struggle so much in men's soccer regular season ended with a one nothing win unfortunately they were eliminated from the NEC playoff contention they did what they had to do it just didn't work out for them and uh, stuff out of their hands that loss to Central Connecticut State is gonna it came back to bite them unfortunately. Yep. yep. Women's hockey swept RIT this past weekend. Big weekend for them going up there to Rochester and, and getting not one like the men's team, but two wins uh against the Tigers. That's a big thing for them and I think once again we expect this to be a real good season for the women's hockey team. The volleyball team won the dig pink match three to nothing. Big win. <laughs> <laughs> and they remain in volleyball, NEC playoff contention, but they also yeah. have a lot that needs to happen. Right. They've, they've bounced back, it would seem, since uh, some early season struggles. Women's basketball gets started tomorrow. Men's, men's basketball. Well, men's basketball too, but women's oh, yeah. basketball gets started tomorrow. Oh, men's it, basketball. Will, it will have happened when yes. you're listening to this yes, show. Yes, I'm sorry. That's right. We are basketball not live. Basketball is underway. But men's and women's basketball both get started. The men's will be in L.A. Um, Takeda, are you excited for those seasons this year? I am. I'm excited to have the men's team back on campus. I'm excited to uh, see how they perform. The women's basketball team, always a real good one, one that 
competes for the conference championship and trying to make it into March Madness every year. And we'll see what the men's team can do. A lot of young guys, we'll see what they do. And this has been your documentary on Robert Morris Sports. Now, Logan, I want to carry <laughs> what happened in one of those games this weekend over to a quick discussion on some ceremonial pregame moments in sports. Uh, before Saturday night men's hockey game, the team had a really nice ceremony honoring a former coach who passed away this past year, Mark Workman, uh, and was a big part in building the program at Robert Morris. And they had this ceremony. They honored them. Oh, very nice. And then they do something that whenever a hockey team is going to honor someone, they feel the need to do, which is the ceremonial puck drop. If falling along the lines of the first pitch in baseball or the ceremonial coin toss in football. And I ask you this, Logan, as a whole, all three of those things, what's your opinion? Is it something that is worth doing at all? Because to me, especially the coin toss and the puck drop are just a waste of time. I think it is. Do you think the first pitch is a waste of time though? I like the first pitch. I'll be honest with you. Of the, of the three, uh, I genuinely like the first pitch. The first pitch is funny because there'll be people that mess up occasionally. Like it it involves you doing something like that. You have someone who is not, an athlete going out there and, and doing something that involves athleticism, throwing from the pitcher's mound typically all the way to home plate. And it's fun because you get a guy behind home plate who's usually not the catcher. You get maybe someone else involved in the ceremony to catch the pitch, or you get a player from the bench who is not the catcher to catch it. There's excitement about it. Uh, we, we talked a few weeks ago about the wild card games here in Pittsburgh. That's something that people genuinely were looking forward to in those games were the first pitch. I do not think if you're going to a playoff hockey game at PPG Paints Arena or you're going to Heinz Field for a playoff football game that you're going to get fired up and excited based off the ceremonial puck drop or coin toss, which involve no talent, nothing, <laughs> and they're pointless. I think it's cool sometimes to see when they honor kids and they bring them out on the ice and stuff like that. That's fun. But I agree 100%. The first pitch is the only one that's fun to watch because yeah. the first pitch you it could be a strike, it could ball. You want to see what the guy you can want throw. To see you what genuinely happens. want to see the there guy. There is an throw. interest. There is an interest to see what happens with the result. You of know that what first they pitch. should do. You know what they should do to replace it. They should give. They should do the ceremonial slap shot. Yes. Okay. So that's my question. <laughs> what can hockey do that is better than the ceremonial puck drop? Because what really kills me about it is it's it's at the end of the day it's a photo op. And it's a time for those two representatives from each team and the person dropping the puck to just stand there frozen in time for a solid minute while the paparazzi go away snapping those pictures. It is 100% a photo op. And then they they drop the puck and then the home team slowly takes the puck and wins the ceremonial faceoff. So I agree. I think we need something different, and I think a slap shot's a great idea. Not even just a slap shot. So what you do is you set up a target right in the middle of the net. Yeah, I don't want a goalie in there. (laughs) I don't want want a target. I want a target. I want a bullseye. All right? You you, you say, okay, you get some real old guy to go out there and be like, oh, this is a— We'll just say President Trump. Right? We'll say it's in New York or Washington, D.C., and we'll say President All Trump's right. going to do the ceremonial slap shot. All right. All right. 
And basically what happens is, is that he has to hit the target. If he hits the target, he gets like a lifetime supply of chicken nuggets or something like that. Now that would get the crowd. See, here's the thing. Why don't we have stuff like the half court shot? You know, all these stuff that are yeah, halftime yeah. events. Why don't they start off with that? Why don't they have the? That's not can bad. Can you imagine I mean, if you throw a strike, you win something. Exactly. If you hit the target in the net on the slap <laughs> shot, the pregame slap shot, you win something. Should, I like it. Go, I like it. He's like, can you imagine the game getting started? I'd be like, all right now, fans. Is Sean from West Deer is gonna <laughs> come out and he's gonna try and kick three field goals in ten seconds? Sponsored by the Pittsburgh Mills Bob Sauce. <laughs> it's the pregame slap shot. If, if he hits, if he hits the three field goals from the 20, 25, and 30-yard line. He was a lifetime supply <laughs> yes. of Bob subs. So I think you just mentioned football there. I think that's the easy one is just to have kick a field goal for the pregame contest. Three, three and 30 yeah. seconds from the 20, 25, and the 30. But I think football is an easy one to fix here where why does the person doing the ceremonial coin toss not get to flip the actual coin? Oh, I agree. I agree. It just, what is the – is he going to cheat? Is he going to wait the coin real quick? <laughs> And uh, along these same lines with the ceremonial coin toss, every WPIAL high school football game does this, where they, an hour before the game, the captains meet, flip the coin, decide who's taking what, who's kicking, who's receiving. And then when all the fans show up an hour later, they do it again, but it's fake. They don't care what the coin says. What is the point? Why are we not just doing this one time for real? I'm telling you, though, they need to do ceremonial games. That's like what it. they I need think that's to the do. Best ceremony yeah. Get rid of this puck drop. Get rid of this coin toss. Ceremony. The ceremonial yeah. games have a contest to start it off. That would get the fans excited. Because to be it. honest, besides the game itself, what gets a fan more excited? What gets the fans more excited for when they see uh, Joe from 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 Lawrenceville hit hit a half court shot yep. to to win a lifetime <laughs> supply of a. Uh, of permani sandwiches <laughs> or something like that. I mean, come on, no, that it. is that is exactly how they should do it. Um, even that, replace the first pitch with you have to hit a home run out of the ballpark. Wow, that would that, happen a I couple like that. times. Yeah. that would be great. You can even just man, that a, place would go wild <laughs> know, if the right? guy hits a home run. It, it, that's I, yeah. something too. You can bring in. It's not cheating if you bring in other athletes because hitting a home run out of a ballpark is a tough thing to do. Yeah, you got thirty seconds. To hit one ball out of the ball. No, even better. Even better. The game does not start until somebody, <laughs> oh, no. till the guy who's up there hits a home run out of the do, ballpark. Uh, the Pirates may be trying to want to fill in the outfield seats. You have a contest where you bring out a guy from the bench to hit a home run, and whoever catches the home run ball wins something. They get to the throw game. out the first pitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we just fixed pregame in all sports. Exactly. Good work. We just fixed Good pregame. Work. That's the pregame that I would watch on TV. Yes. You tell if ESP, ESPN picking that up. Oh, they'd love this. They see, yeah, they have the can in the college football game to start it <laughs> off. You have to make five of the Dr. Pepper can before the, the game starts. <laughs> and that is it. how they should start the games. That is 100%. They need to bring more entertainment back into the games. Agreed. And that is the Agreed. way to do it. You start with entertainment. Speaking of which, entertainment, though, is as we come down, we only got nine minutes left, so unfortunately we'll have to skip the Penguins question. Of, by the way, they lost three in a row, though. 6-3-3-3, yeah, you know, three, 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 second in the division. That is our update. That is all the time we have, unfortunately. But we have to do what makes it an election special. Um, I like this this song you found. Ten hours of Hail to Chief, but only the part that everybody knows. So that is... That's interesting. We'll spare you the parts that nobody knows. Man, we'll YouTube is such a wonderful stuff. place. It really is. You can find anything. 
So we're going to do our Pittsburgh sports superlatives voting. So we each got five categories and on end we can vote for any Pittsburgh athletes. Oh, can we just can we change the Pittsburgh icons? Sure. We'll do sure. Pittsburgh icons. We're going to change it a little bit. Throwing you a curveball here. <laughs> That's all right with me. All right. They can be a, they don't they can they can be dead. It doesn't matter. Okay. Alive or we'll dead. go anyone. Anyone? Anybody from Pittsburgh from, history. Anybody a Pittsburgh icon, all right? All right. All right well, you can go uh, first. All right. I will go Man, I w I was really limiting myself with just current players. So I'll switch this up and I'll go uh best dressed. I cast my vote best dressed for Antonio Brown. I think that's a good choice. That is definitely a good choice. That might also definitely... go with best car or best way to arrive to training camp. All three of those, I cast <laughs> my vote for Antonio Brown. I guess I'll start with the um, the, the the obvious one. Most likely to be late to class. Oh, no, you stole mine. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think I'm going to say? It's Le'Veon Bell. It's Le'Veon Bell. Most likely to be late to class Le'Veon Bell for, for obvious reasons. Uh, I, I'll still limit myself here for to current players for this next one. Most likely to be president, I'll go with the Steelers uh, Players Association rep, Ramon Foster, <laughs> who was very diplomatic earlier this season in dealing with the whole Le'Veon Bell situation. My most likely to be press secretary. I'm not even going to go president. I'm going to go most likely to be press secretary. Sally Wiggins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good I bet you didn't see that one That's coming. Good. That's good. Sally Wiggins, a native of Michigan. Did you know she was from Michigan? I then did she not. then she she came then she moved to Alabama, went to the University of Alabama, and then she came here and she stayed here. She oh. was in Striking Distance. Great movie. <laughs> you ever see Striking Distance? I did not. No. With Bruce Willis, filmed no. in Pittsburgh. Wow. Great movie. He's a river cop. All right. Uh, most likely. To help you find your lost dog, I will vote for Mr. Fred Rogers. Oh, that was my president. That's a good. That's good too. That's good too. Oh, that's a tough one. Like how I'm just making these up on the spot. <laughs> well, we all are now since the rules changed at the, the last second. Did change I like the it. Last second. I like it. Oh man. Oh man, this is a tough one. I don't know who I'm gonna do for my third one. Hmm. Hmm. Do you want me to jump in here with one? You jump in. I'll do two. In I'll a go. Uh, most or uh, category best walk-up song. I vote for Francisco Cervelli. If we're going all time, I might vote for Clint Barmas. Best walk-up. No. Current, I will vote for. Best walk-up song, Tony Sanchez. Locking that yeah. in. You know what his was? Do I, do, do, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember the name right, of it. Well, we're going we're gonna to take a break from this. Okay. I'll play. You just keep looking. As he pulls that up, uh, I'm trying to see who else I can, I can take here. Oh, uh, best, best social media account. I cast my vote for... Trevor Williams, close second to Stephen Brault on the Pirates. Was that your fifth? That was my fifth. Yeah. Okay, so I got so two round them out. Yeah. So I get to round them out with my last two. But here it is, by the way, best best walk up song. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> How could I forget this? Yes. Oh, man. That is our best walk-up song. <laughs> if Tony Sanchez, that is my pick. You got to love him. One. Maybe we should also give him the uh, most likely to break up a no-hitter. Wasn't it him that uh, stepped into that one pitch in Washington? Yeah, I think so. Mostly, <laughs> that was him. I remember yeah, that. Yeah. Wow, that was crazy. I thought it was Detroit. It was Washington. I think it was the Nat. I think it was Scherzer in Washington. It was. All right. All right. So I'm gonna go. Um, most likely to actually be a pirate. Oh, this is a good. That's good. Sean Rodriguez. Absolutely. 100%. You gotta, you gotta go that's with a, it. That's a unanimous vote. If that was he on the ballot, he looks like a pirate. He fits <laughs> it. He acts like a pirate. I believe he even talks like a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good vote uh, my last superlative what, what, what should I go with why don't you give me a category give me the category I'll give you um... slam the how door. about biggest jokester biggest jokester ooh ooh I'm gonna go with Bill Peduto because these bike lanes are a joke. <laughs> you should have given him most likely to build a bike lane. Most likely to build a bike lane. Most likely to no, you know where he is. Bill Peduto. Most likely most to look likely, like the Santa Claus. Most likely Rudolph. to talk about crossfitting but doesn't actually crossfit. <laughs> Bill Peduto. <laughs> no. On a, on a side uh. note, Bill Peduto. You did a great job this past week with everything. I would like to give you a shout out on that. Is that even if we disagree on a lot of things, most importantly those those bike lanes, those annoying <laughs> bike lanes, um, you, you did a great job leading this city through a difficult time. So Dakota, that's all. That's all the time. Looks like we have to let it go. And uh, we'll kick off our first November show with some Frozen to to send us off with. Might as well. We got uh, we got two minutes left here, and how much is left on the song? All right, about two minutes, so we'll Perfect. just let the rest of this song play out. So thank you all for joining us at Sports with Carney featuring Dakota Lamb. Um, this is Remember, this is Wednesday. We filmed, recorded this on Monday, uh, November 5th. So as you listen to this in the future, you now know where UCF is in this week's college exactly. football playoff ranking. You know more than us. Yes. So uh, have a great week, everyone, and we will see you next week.